Hey guys, and welcome to the Movement Docs Podcast. I'm Jake. And I'm Mike. And we're just two guys who want to help students and clinicians grow in the field of rehab. Welcome to the show. have to get that out <laughs> i try to like cough like that on purpose you know for comedic effect i find that it usually like you know binds us together in a fellowship of sorts like the fellowship um, of the ring yeah i mean i don't want to break any copyright laws here but yeah very 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 much like that um oh we're already recording whoops <laughs> My mic, hey guys, is, my mic what? is still good, right? Sorry. Yeah, we can. I can hear you. Okay. You're good. Because y'all have way more zigzags than I do. Just keep it like close to your mouth hole okay. when you speak. It is. <laughs> okay. It's These tension. should be <laughs> tensegrity. I, I wish I could show you, but y'all don't do video. <laughs> this would be way more cool. Y'all would just be looking at me funny the entire time if. All right, it's fine. <laughs> uh, all right. So, hey, guys, and welcome to episode 28 of the Movement Docs podcast. Today we have a special guest, William Mills, who's a doctor of physical therapy, currently doing travel PT. He's from Lafayette, Louisiana, where he attended LSU. And during that time, as a human movement science major, stumbled upon CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting, where he then became a practitioner and participant of both. His interests are to bridge the gap between rehab and fitness, as well as to be a source of consultation and education for the general public and how the good and the and how to spread the good news of physical dude, I'm butchering this bio. I, and how the good news of physical therapy can be a viable alternative care option for most issues plaguing the healthcare system. Uh, and fun fact about William Mills, he was once told on an airline that he was somebody, he looked like somebody's favorite character from the show Vampire Diaries. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. with that stunning jawline, the beautiful beard, and the fantastically styled hair, we'd like to welcome uh, Will Mills on the podcast with us. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, apologies for uh, stumbling words in your bio. <laughs> It's okay. Everybody stumbles. <laughs> it's not about how many times you fall. It's about how many times you get up, right? Exactly. I was just trying to sprinkle a little, a little like life allegory and metaphor for you know our listeners. I'm yeah. all about metaphor, so. <laughs> yeah, and met- metaphors be with you as well. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, that was very well placed. <laughs> were you just just before we really get into the, the podcast thing? How upset were you when you were passed over for the role of Han Solo in the new movie that came out? Oh man, um, I was pretty I was pretty sad. I I would have loved to hang out with Chewie hmm. for extended periods of time and just like growl at one another. <laughs> <laughs> and I have no idea who. Um, Amelia Clark's role is, but I would love for her to be my co-host. <laughs> so, 
if she's listening, <laughs> I mean, I could always be Han Solo's stuntman. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that Amelia Clark is a huge fan of our podcast. <laughs> um, and the reason I know this is because she's friends with that lady that told you you looked like her favorite character on the Vampire Diaries, who said yeah. that she would also be tuning into this podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> She's out there. <laughs> um, random airplane sitter next to her of William Mills, please, if you're listening, shout out to you <laughs> for putting up with his like the glare of his laptop as he typed these questions on his on his flight. She was into it. We we had a good conversation about it. It's nice. <laughs> Yeah, and she took a nap for the majority of it. So was it was it on top of your shoulder? Did she like no? Okay, but because it was a Frontier flight, okay. I don't know if y'all have ever flown Frontier. Mm -hmm. If you ever have work to do on a laptop where you need to like put it on something, never ever fly Frontier. Frontier has a little desk that drops down that's big enough to hold an iPod Mini. Like it's <laughs> terrible. So unless you have very strong adductors that can maintain like very, like a, a hardcore isometric for two and a half hours and you don't have to mansplay at any point in time, you'll be good. But if you do, you're totally screwed. That's, so. That sounds like the worst possible combination for me on an airplane. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen me in real life. But the dimensions of my figure do not fit into the airline <laughs> seats very well. And um, yeah. I, <laughs> when I was flying back from Pensacola, when I was visiting Mike over Easter, um, before he came back up to Virginia, I uh, had the fortune, I guess, of, of flying to back to Virginia from Pensacola by means of Texas. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I was in the Dallas Fort Worth, uh, airport and, um, then had like a four hour flight back to, uh, BWI. And I luckily, thank you Southwest got a middle seat and, um, <laughs> between two people that really did not like me, um, purely based on the, my physical size, uh, the seatbelt didn't fit. I had to pretend that it was buckled in the whole time because I was too embarrassed to ask for like an extender. Um, because yeah. I will tell you that seatbelts are not always the same size on air, on airplanes. They're, they range, yeah. um, which is just horrible because then you get like a ridiculous, like quad pump when you have to keep that thing on, depending on where it sits on your lap. Um, but yeah, it was, it was bad. Is that like airplane BFR? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure yeah. my calves grew like two inches that day. Hmm. I'm glad you didn't get a DVT. <laughs> there was, I wouldn't have been able to prevent one. I couldn't couldn't move my legs at all. <laughs> Especially because uh... the nice mother of three sitting next to me uh, kept <laughs> glaring at me and like was like upset because like my elbows were like slightly touching her armrests. And every time yeah. she went to open and close her lap tray, she looked at me and asked for permission if if she could do it. With like a very like condescending tone. Uh, wow. It was a. I, it was bad, man. I hate air, airplanes. Aren't you supposed to be able to get the two armrests because you're in the middle seat? Isn't that like the universal rule of 
airfare travel? I don't. I don't know. Man. Like the person on the inside gets the window. The person on the outside gets to put their leg in the aisle or whatever. But the person in the middle, because they're crammed between two people, gets the armrests. I always thought that's how that worked. Maybe that's just in my head. I mean, I'm going to take the armrest regardless of whether I get them or not, because I physically can't <laughs> not take the armrest. But uh... there's no results to go. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, how about that? You should write a letter to Southwest about how people that deadlift over 500 pounds need wider seats. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I should just start make. I should make an ID card that says like I'm a power lifter, and then yeah. just flash that at the ticket window and be like, yeah, sorry, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get like a whole road of myself. I don't think you guys understand. Hey, uh, you guys back there at the end of the sea boarding thing, you, you're not on this flight. I'm gonna need those seats. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like that wouldn't go over well. Probably not. funny yes yeah, so how about that airline food huh guys um so will for those of our listeners that don't know much about you other than your resemblance to uh an unknown uh television character can you tell us a little bit more about yourself yeah so um you want do you want me to start from the beginning yes let's do it uh so well I am originally from Louisiana. I am, I don't know how many listeners are familiar with Cajun culture, but I'm like 50% Cajun. So I love food and all things good food. Um, if y'all need a, if y'all need a Cajun lesson, I can provide that. Um, so I've always loved food, and I got into exercise because I love food so much, <laughs> pretty much. Like it was just kind of a natural progression. Um, and I hated doing the same things over and over again. Uh, so towards the end of high school, um, at a big gym in Lafayette um, called Red's Health and Racket Club, there was like this uh, this grassroots movement of CrossFit in the gym, and so one of the trainers became friends with me and some other dudes, and we got into CrossFit together. Um, for like two years, I was one of those guys that like was anti uh, being a part of like a box, hmm. so I was just like doing it by myself, and wearing vibrams <laughs> just crushing crushing the five finger toe shoes game like i still have them by are the you way. wearing them now i hike in them oh. i'm not but i keep them in my car uh because they're my favorite shoes to hike in hmm. um i also keep a uh, zombie apocalypse kit in my car just in case good to see that you're a, tr- a true um, believer yeah. Uh, do y'all watch The Walking Dead? Sadly, no. It's on my list of things to binge, no. but I have not. Uh... Oh, that would be a very long binge. Um, <laughs> so, like, maybe in season one or two, there was an episode where Gerber sponsored this, like, kit 
that one of the characters found in a truck and then they started selling it online and one christmas uh me and my dad were like we're both gonna get one so, <laughs> so we did and i just keep it in my car and just in case there's some kind of outbreak yeah and i have to go on a zombie killing spree yeah might as well be prepared <clears throat> yeah that's kind of why i do crossfit is just to be prepared for that yeah just be harder to kill in general <laughs> yeah what what kind of stuff is in the kit? There is a a buck knife, a multi-purpose little knife. Um, there's a like medium-sized uh, flip knife that has a glass breaker on it. I love uh, that the first three things you said are just knives. Yeah, <laughs> it's different starting, flavors starting of knife. From, I'm starting from the right and working my way to the left. <laughs> uh, and then there's there's a medium-sized machete, and then there's a huge machete that's like a sword. <laughs> then there's a hatchet, and then there's like this there's like this scythe-looking thing that Glenn used a lot. <laughs> like it it doesn't really have a functional purpose unless you're gonna like try to <laughs> kill someone with it. Um, but yeah, that's it. <laughs> so it's just a collection of knives and weaponry. Yeah. Can so you shout like out to Gerber? Can you like throw like I don't know maybe like a a pack of granola bars in there or something or maybe like a a thing of water? Oh, and ca- like with my provisions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I usually keep a toilet roll paper in there. Okay. Uh, but uh, I'm like. I'm like a snackaholic, so I always have a fair amount of snacks in my car. Mm. I have a K2 ice chest to, I don't know, keep things cool just in case. Mm-hmm. And then I have my Vibrams. That's all you really need. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sounds like you have everything that you could possibly need, at least weapon-wise, and for shoe shoe apparel also maybe. Yeah. Um, in case there, you know, there was a zombie outbreak. Yeah. Now, what um, are your thoughts on how the zombie outbreak would actually happen? Are you kind of like a? Is it like a Last of Us, like fungal type thing? Is it like a Resident Evil Four, like mind controlling Hispanic parasite? Um, <laughs> is it like a Shaun of the Dead thing? Like, what's your? If it's gonna happen, what's it gonna look like? I don't know. Um, I think I would lean more towards like I am legend, like a a cure for the, I think it was, it was a cure for cancer. Yeah. in I am legend. And apparently it just went bad. And then one person freaked out and then the rest of them freaked out and started attacking. And then it changed people's blood. It would be, it would either have to be something like that. Um, so it would be like the 2030 version of like people saying vaccines cause autism hmm. or it would be like some kind of chemical warfare thing. I think, I think that's closer to what the walking dead is based off of like some kind of chemical outbreak where people started to get sick and then it just changed them. 
I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. I saw, I saw this. Uh, somebody did a, like a study using math and things that are like way above my head, but they uh, they looked like at. Math. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> math is is not is not my strong suit. Um, Me neither, man. Dude, it's a struggle every day. Yeah. Like, what are numbers? <laughs> but they had uh, they they basically looked at fast zombies versus like the slow zombies, mm-hmm. and so like. I don't know, like slow zombies, like the very, I don't know, whatever, fast and slow. And they looked at the probability that we could survive different types of apocalypses. And they found that if it was a fast zombie outbreak, then we pretty much had no chance of survival. But if it was the slower ones, then there was a small chance of success. Oh, wow. Yeah. Let's see if I can find that. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's hope if this does happen, that it's the slower walkers than yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the, the walking dead instead of the sprinting dead. Well, unless it's like... Isn't, unless it's like an RCT systematic review, then I don't want to hear about it. Because <laughs> if it's not proven, it doesn't even matter. That's that's fine. But I believe that this anecdotal evidence is true, Will. So you can't change my mind. Anyways, Mike, I think the biggest the biggest flaw here though is that if if I've learned anything from playing several zombie based video games, the big fat slow ones are the ones that explode when they die. So, like, uh, yeah, I mean, yes. you know, the fast ones will come get you and will probably be a, you know, pretty quick, very painful death. But I would hate to be around one of those big dudes when they explode. That would not be fun. Yes. Yeah. Sounds pretty brutal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I don't know, I don't know where that interjected into my life story. <laughs> I think... I think that was like a springboard of starting CrossFit. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, because of the Vibrams. So <laughs> then I went to college. <laughs> then I went to college, and I was working out in this, like, Globo gym, this little Globo gym right next to my apartments, mm. where they had, like, no bumper plates. It was just, like, metal plates, a like a barbell that, like, was from 1920 that had no spin on it and then metal plates with tons of mirrors and I was the dude in the corner in my Vibrams doing Grace like by myself Grace is uh, 30 cleaning jerks at 135 for time just crushing it trying not to drop the weights because the staff would freak out and kick me out and then I just got sick of it. And then I joined a gym, uh, Go CrossFit in Baton Rouge. And uh, after doing after doing it as an athlete for a couple months, I was like, I want to coach. Um, so then I started. I got my level one. I started coaching. Well, no, I I got my level one, and then the open came around. And two days before the open, I was doing a workout. And um, I was doing push jerks, and I kind of hopped forward on one, and I felt a pop in my knee, and uh, dropped the bar, fell down to the ground, and come to find out a few days later, I tore my ACL. Ooh. So um, my physical therapy experience had started... Like, I knew I wanted to be in physical therapy at a young age. Uh, 
my dad tore his ACL the first day of a week-long summer softball tournament for my sister. And I, like, I was probably in the fifth grade, and I went to all of his rehab after he had surgery. And, like, from a very early age, I thought it was super cool how you could, like, walk through the progress of someone's healing process as a physical therapist. And I just knew that I wanted to do that. So that's kind of what I've been carrying all along. And then when I tore my ACL and had to go through my own rehab and have my hopes of being a competitive CrossFitter shattered at a young age, not that I couldn't have done it. I don't, I don't think I'm genetically gifted enough to be a competitive CrossFitter. Uh, anyways, but at the time I was like super into it. Um, and then to like have to take that step back and go through my own rehab process for an ACL. I mean, it was like a year. It was a little over a year before I was back to not worrying about it. Uh, or like the worst thing was like every time I would squat, I would just feel super uneven, like because my right leg was not as strong. Mm-hmm. Or anytime, anytime I would do something with a barbell because I had like decreased proprioception of my knee, I would just smack my knee with the barbell. Hmm. And it was just, yeah, I've never seen that in a study, so yeah. it must not be true. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's so, wild. yeah, so I got into that. Um, oh, so like my, so my first day ever coaching, I was on crutches. <laughs> I couldn't perform any of the movements. It was like, so, so the owners of the gym went to this seminar in Atlanta and me and my buddy who had just gone to get the level one together, they just like, were like, we're going to be out of town. Nobody else can cover it. Uh, the other coach has a personal training session that hour. Like we need y'all to do it. So we were like, well, we're not doing it solo. Either one of us. So we went and did it by ourselves or no together. Sorry. And, um, like he was, he was fine, but I was just on crutches trying to like demonstrate a snatch. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? But it, it really did help me learn how to like verbalize things to people and, and use like verbal cueing rather than just being that coach. That's like, you really have to like extend your hips. And then they just like do like little jumps with triple extension for like five times. And I'm like, you're not helping anyone like go another route. So, uh, that helped. Um, And then during that time, I graduated from college, graduated LSU, um, was not at all prepared to uh, apply to physical therapy school. All of a sudden, it was August, and it was my last year, and everyone was like, have you started putting in your applications yet? I was like, I haven't even started volunteering at a clinic to be a tech yet. Like when was, when was anybody supposed to tell me about this? Have I been sleeping? Like I was just so unprepared. And then I was like, well, there's no way I'm going to apply right now because Mm -hmm. 
because I'm not going to get in. I haven't done any of the extracurricular stuff. So mm -hmm. I decided to take a year off after I graduated and um, continued to coach, continued to just be a tech at a couple different clinics, and then got into a more focused Olympic weightlifting uh, coaching um, job with Matt Bruce um, in Baton Rouge at Bruce Barbell and uh, Matt is he was one of the protégés of Gail Hatch <clears throat> everybody knows who Gail Hatch is on the internet because of the Hatch squat cycle um, on Google it's like an Excel spreadsheet and it's not at all what you do as a hatch weightlifter. So if, any, if anybody's done that hatch cycle, it's not a legitimate hatch weightlifting block. So sorry, if you want to just DM me and we can talk about it. Um, but Matt was like, he was the alternate for the, um, the Athens games. Oh, wow. And he has since started He's the co-owner of Brute Strength, um, and he's their head weightlifting coach. So I just learned a whole lot from him and got into weightlifting and was kind of doing that. And ever since, I've kind of just bounced back and forth between that and doing CrossFit. But because I still love food so much, I kind of have to do CrossFit. So <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. So it sounds like taking that year off um, was like a, a good experience for you in terms of practicing your skills, kind of learning a little bit more about weightlifting and, and CrossFit and all that kind of stuff. Um, is that something that you would recommend to like students listening to this or kind of in that similar situation for you that are looking to, towards grad school but maybe not um, finish the applications up or, or considering taking a year off or any of that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. Um, 100% like – I learned so much from being a CrossFit coach that like a hundred percent informed how I would watch people move in like school in physical therapy school or how I would teach somebody to do, I don't know, active arm elevation or anything like that. Like how I would, how I would verbally cue someone is how, as well as how I would watch for like movement faults it mm -hmm. i i used it every day in physical therapy school uh learning biomechanics everything i learned in biomechanics i relayed back to like a squat or a snatch like all the time and that's how that's like that would just be the example in my head and i would say to myself okay what's happening here apply this to something else and then do it. Um, it also gave me a ton of confidence with like how to talk to people. Like mm. you can't, you can't not figure out how to talk to people whenever you're coaching five classes of 10 to 15 people a day. Like you get pretty comfortable with it pretty quickly mm. or you'll just flail <laughs> and fail. Uh, <laughs> And people think you're awkward and then you can't get out because everybody's staring at you because you're trying to teach them how to do a jerk. 
and there's nowhere to run. So you just have to figure it out. Um, But an overwhelming amount of my classmates don't know how to teach someone how to do a squat. So I think, I think that's a problem. Hmm. Some degree. What, what kind of stuff do you see like in general when people are trying to teach the squat? Um, like with, with other PTs or with other CrossFit coaches or what, what do you mean? Sure. Yeah. So I think, I think, uh, just in general, like the squat is pretty crucial skill to know how to do maybe, maybe instead of, uh, what kind of things do you see wrong? Like, how would you go about teaching the squat? Just for anybody that's kind of like listening to this podcast and wants to kind of improve their ability, are there any yeah. like quick trip tips and tricks that you'd kind of recommend, or any verbal cues that you kind of go to or tend to lean on? Yeah, um, I would say start out with foot width, uh, about shoulder width apart. I usually say do like a little jump, and wherever your feet land, that's probably where you should start a squat. Uh, first thing is send your hips back. Um, that should always, that should typically always be the first thing because, and this is, this is like if you're teaching someone that has no idea how to squat, like there's a lot of nuances with like how powerlifters versus Olympic lifters versus CrossFitters teach. I, I like to just think of like, if you're teaching the average Joe, Sure. It's like sit back like you're about to sit in a chair. That's how you use your butt. Um, and then so reach the hips back. I like to always cue for like an air squat or a bodyweight squat. Bring your arms up because it helps people find counterbalance. Mm-hmm. And um, keep your weight through your midfoot, push through the ground, and then stand back up. Gotcha. Uh, it's it's uh, simpler. It's always simpler if you, and this is what I learned from CrossFit, and this is what CrossFit teaches, which I think is fantastic because it's evidence-based. It's like use simple cues to get the most out of what you want them to do and just make it very, um, not visceral, but like big. Like you don't want to say, okay, so you gotta, you know, slightly posterior pelvic tilt, and then start to descend. No, it's just like, act like you're gonna sit down. Okay, go. That's perfect. <laughs> so along along the lines of that cue, how often does this happen to you, and how infuriated do you get when you ask someone to squat and they like give you some weird motor pattern? <clears throat> but they can perfectly execute or they say they can't squat at all mm-hmm. and yet they can sit down perfectly fine and have like good control and form with sitting on the chair. You mean like in the physical therapy setting? Yes. <laughs> in the physical therapy setting, every time <laughs> it seems like the vast amount of patients, they think whenever you say squat, that you mean like a mini squat, which mini squats, the name in and of itself, <laughs> low key infuriates me because it's like, it's literally, 
if you tell a patient to do that, they literally just shoot their knees forward and then stand back up. I'm like, okay, great. So we're doing really tough eccentric quad stuff right now. That's all we're doing is you're just sending your knees forward and bringing them back. Your hips are totally not doing anything. They're just in total neutral and we're just going forward with the knees. This is not a squat. You need to sit back. And it's I like, just, that's, that's the motor pattern. That's like the king of motor patterns with most patients that I've seen. And I'm just like, who taught you how to squat? I just love that. Like, as soon as you say the word squat, like you can do sit to stands with somebody and they're like, which is just a freaking chair squat or a box squat. Right. Yeah. But as soon as you like take that away and you're like, all right, squat, it's like, their brain shuts down and like yeah. some primal like lizard brain knowledge of squatting is just that horrible knees forward, like neutral torso hips, like just awkward movement. Mm-hmm. It's either that or plan B is like just a hip hinge where their chest like ends up between their knees and then they stand up. <laughs> <laughs> Both, it like both it looks like dramatic. it looks like me trying to squat like 800 pounds, just like as yeah. soon as I hit death, just collapse my torso forward, and then it turns into a good morning. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, so with powerlifting, to some degree, a low bar backs. Do you low bar? Uh, no, I'm probably closer to high bar, just because okay. my. Odds are that I probably have some small degree of like tear in my shoulder, but uh-huh. like I just I don't let it bother me at all. So I just biopsychosocial. <laughs> yeah, I just like biopsychosocial my way out of the pain. <laughs> I just I just explain to myself nice. that, that pain pain doesn't always mean tissue damage, and then I can still bench press in the mid fours, so I'm good. Uh, yeah. And it's not, you know, other than like horrible, unrelenting shoulder pain after I do overhead day, it it doesn't affect me. Um, The radiating pain down into my hand doesn't matter. It's not real. If I ignore it, it goes away. (laughs) Um, So I try to stay away from straight bar squats because they don't make my shoulder super happy. Yeah. Um, So I kind of like... When I do use a straight bar, which I don't think I've used a straight bar in at least six to eight months, probably. Um, mm-hmm. I try to stay a little bit closer to high bar. Gotcha. So, like, okay, for but for a low bar, that's, like, one of the nuances. That's, like, a thing that has an asterisk to it. It's, like, a special case. But, like, for the most part, if you're teaching someone how to squat, it's just start with the basics. It's not a low bar. And then with a low bar, it can kind of turn into a little bit more of a hinge yeah. Um, because your torso does go a little bit further forward. But like in, with an air squat, that's just like an immature squat. Like you don't – you're not demonstrating motor control to keep your torso upright to be able to do anything, especially a, a full clean. <laughs> So this is, but this is how you fix it. You hold on to a pole, you keep your chest up and then you just stay active in the bottom of a squat. And then you stand up. You don't have to mobilize your ankles for 30 minutes. 
or roll out your upper T-spine. You just do a squat. <laughs> Whoa, that sounds just, that just sounds wrong. Why why would you why would you not mobilize your ankles and and like roll your T-spine and do all that? Because mobility. Just mobility, that's it. <laughs> just a very ambiguous word that's like a buzzword. And we're just going to say mobility all the time, but nobody knows what it means, but it's provocative and it gets the people going. <laughs> it reminds me of, have you, are you, uh, Will, are you a fan of South Park? Um, yeah, I was at one point. I haven't watched it in a while though. Um, there's a, an episode where they made fun of the movie the day after tomorrow. <laughs> and <clears throat> the whole premise was, like everyone is all up in arms about global warming and they're mm -hmm. freaking out because of global warming, but like they don't really know exactly what it is. Like no one can truly like contextualize it in the episode. And so they're just like running around crazy running away from global morning, global warming. Cause like they go outside and they're like, Oh my God, it's global warming. And they're just like sprinting away from it, from it. Cause they're so afraid of it. Um, <laughs> Because, like, in the show, they kind of portray it as, like, a nebulous concept that a lot of people don't truly understand or, like, pay attention to. Yeah. And so it just reminds me of that. Like, just masses of people running away from, like, a cloud because they're, they're, <laughs> they fear that it's going to, like, destroy them. Right. Um, but, you know, much in the same sense, like, what is mobility? Oh, man. Well, to to, like, edify what you just said, that's, like that nebulous concept of all of the things that you have to do before you perform a squat. <laughs> like I watch some people get to the gym like 20 minutes early. You just, you just left work early because you need a 45 minute warm up. No, you just need a, like I'll never forget. I went to the clinical weightlifting seminar with uh, Quinn Hinnock. He says sometimes whenever he's like running late, He'll wear a hoodie and sweatpants and just crank the heater on the way to the gym. So he starts sweating. Voila, you're warmed up. <laughs> Go squat. Um, but what is mobility? Uh, the sciencey way to put it would probably be something like a joint's ability to move through its allotted range of motion. Um, but like the more, the more I think of it in like practical terms, it's like, great. If you can do that, you, you need the passive range of motion, i.e. mobility. But if you can't control it, then there's no point. Like hmm. it, it's, it's just some nebulous, like black hole of range of motion. If you can't control it, so I like active mobility if if you're going to get all mobility-ish. <laughs> I just don't even say – I don't even say the word anymore. I've become jaded towards the word mobility. Is it is it different than range of motion? Um, I think some people would say yes. There's like – it's like mobility, stability, active mobility, active stability. 
Um, I feel like it all just virtually means the same thing, and it's just in most instances, whenever it's being talked about, it's being talked about like just for the sake of being complicated. But everyone's range of motion is a little different. Like, okay, for instance, I have I have a flatter T-spine, so I'm not very kyphotic. That's how my structure is. To some degree, your structure is going to dictate your mobility, re- regardless of how much you smash it or prod <laughs> it or needle it or cup it or just, like, get somebody to walk on you. Like, I'm not changing my upper back structure because that's how my bones are unless I just like I don't know get hit by a car hopefully that doesn't happen Um, but because I have a flatter upper t-spine I can do narrow grip overhead squats pretty easily and stay upright just because that's like it makes my range of motion easier so I'm able to keep a more upright torso with a stable base and I don't have to like crank my arms super far back but like I stay at about 180 degrees of flexion hmm. but somebody who doesn't have that doesn't have the active mobility they're going to do an overhead squat with wider arms and then they're going to be going to like 190 or so and then that's 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 too much like I feel like the thing with the CrossFit world is they're always seeking more mobility, but nobody knows why. Like, (laughs) if you can already bring your arm 180 degrees over your head, like, to 180 degrees, that's pretty much all you need. Like, and then if you're trying to get more, it's probably because you're restricted somewhere else or you can't control somewhere else. But, like, to just always try to get your arm further behind your head, that thing's going to pop out the front one day. Mm. Like, you just got to get stronger. So you're saying that they need more stability. Yes. Yeah. I would say so. (laughs) But stability doesn't have that ring to it, man. You can't... You can't... I need to create stability. Wad. I, was, I was just about to say that. <laughs> oh, I'll stability be lit. <laughs> Sorry, K Star. There's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> and his name is Will Mills. The guy's so nice, they named him twice and inverted the W. <laughs> I'm named after my dad. I'm the second. If you like wrote that on a computer, if you wrote that on a computer, is that just like a million L's? I'm not. My parents named me the second. Like the second is on my birth certificate, not junior, because they thought junior was silly. And throughout my life, I have thought junior was silly. Hmm. So I yeah, it's two. It's two L's, or two no. Two eyes. So many, so many straight lines in your name. Yeah. And it's on all of my. Uh, it's on all of my notes. Wait. 
So, but like, I'm typing it out. <laughs> I tape, I type my full name on my notes because that's how it is on my, uh, my licenses. And I was told that you're, that you should do that. Oh, <laughs> I see what you did. <laughs> how you typed it. I've never even thought of that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Like that's a lot of I's and L's. It is. Wow. You, you just blew my mind. It's like an insane amount of straight lines. <laughs> it looks like W3M3S2. That sounds like a computer program. It does. It's like, or like a Star Wars robot. Hell yeah. W3M3S2. <laughs> that's like, that's like R2D2's like estranged like mother-in-law. <laughs> That's hilarious. She's got like a really thick, like heavy, like smoker's accent. And like. So, like, when she beeps, it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but like, there's like smoke, like smoke, puffs of smoke actually come out of her like face tubes or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, her like, what are they? Like, beeps, buttons, like LEDs. I don't, I don't even know what, what they are. I think it's all, all the above. Yeah. I don't even. I was gonna. I was gonna ask a question, but I don't even remember what it is now that we're talking about Star Wars. I could talk about Star Wars all day. So, what's your favorite Star Wars episode? Like movie? Yes. Um. Hmm. You see, I'm I'm one of those guys that's not a hater of the prequels. And whenever I was a kid, there was, like, a massive buildup of, like, wanting to see episode three. Mm-hmm. Like, I had gotten a game, a PlayStation game where you could do, like, Jedi duels. I, was, I would spend hours, like, just mutt, uh, button mashing. It was, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of buildup. And whenever it finally came out, I thought it was fantastic. Um, so I would say episode three is up there, but it's probably up there with episode six, the return, the revenge of the Jedi, revenge of the Sith. I forget the name of it. Episode six is return of the Jedi. Wasn't it originally titled revenge of the Jedi? And then they like, it was. But George Lucas thought it would be uh, not explanatory of the light enough. It was too hmm. dark. It's, it's not what the Jedi is about. But isn't the Jedi in their truest sense to bring balance to the Force? I feel like sometimes we like misinterpret that they're like this like truly like good guy, like goody two-shoes, like light side of the Force type thing. But like the original Jedi Order was founded to keep the balance. The balance of itself or the balance of... The balance of the force in general. Yeah. The the yin and the yang. The yin and the yang. So are you saying they, that it was created... It wasn't originally created with the Sith. The Sith, like, broke off of it, right? I don't want to, like, say falsehoods that, like, 
I'm gonna like get like DM'd about later. Um, like Nick Hanna, Nick Hanna's gonna show up on your front door, and just kick it in with with a Nerf gun blaster. I just I just thought that like because I, I remember reading some like literature and Jedi wikis and that because like when the with the um, oh the new movies. With uh, okay. who's who's the bad guy? I can't think of his name. The Kylo Ren. No, 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 no. The big purple scary guy that gets his. Oh. Um. Snoke. Why Snoke? can't? Snoke? Yeah, Snoke. Yeah, because there's yeah. there's a lot of like uh fan theories on like who Snoke who Snoke's true identity was, and there was a lot of people yeah. that said that he was like one of like some ancient Jedi from the original order. Um. Hmm. And then he, That'd be pretty lit. he was he was on the the dark side simply to help establish more balance in the force. Hmm. Hmm. But I could I could dig that. Except they just killed him and <laughs> didn't give any explanation. So I, guess I know they just know. they just took like all of that stuff, threw it out the window, and just like chopped them in half. And then just stared at one another. That movie was just a lot of staring. Can you put a shirt on, please? <laughs> Everyone's everyone wants to talk about Adam Driver's abs. Yeah. That guy was on a dirty bulk for that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see people doing the Kylo Ren challenge? No. no what what was this? Like, like wetting their hair, letting it fall over their face, and then wearing black <laughs> pants above their belly button and taking a picture with no shirt on. I mean, he's just trying to bring high-waisted pants back in fashion, you know? Yeah. It doesn't take a dark lord of the of the Sith to truly realize how in fashion men's high-waisted pants can be. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the video games that you said you were playing, was that Jedi Outcast 2? And or Jedi Academy, Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy. Was it the Kyle Katarn games? No. No, it was like. It was a game that was based off of the third movie. Okay. So it was like one of one of the movie. I can't remember the name. It's still at my parents' house somewhere. But I did play Jedi, Jedi Academy. Jedi Academy was lit. Because I just remember playing like the, the lightsaber duels in that one. Where you would like run around the Jedi Temple and just like slash people in half with your lightsaber. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> yeah. So where are we? <laughs> Dude, I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's one. So we talk a little bit about PT school and going to different places for, for PT and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, where did you go and what did you learn about yourself while you were there? Uh, yeah. For PT school. So I went to the University of St. Augustine in Austin, Texas. Um, so I would be what some would call a parasite, um, <laughs> a Stanley Paris follower. Um Okay, I'm right. going to get on a soapbox. So a lot of people hate on on St. Augustine because it's like, oh, it's just manual therapy. It's like 
Stanley Paris took his like ideas from all of the other ideas and put it together. Like it's an eclectic approach. We we learned everything. Like we learned pain science, we learned manual therapy. There was more manual therapy, yes, but it was all about how you framed manual therapy. And it like I thought it was fantastically put together. Like if you if you talk to someone from St. Augustine and they just say it was manual therapy and they didn't learn anything about pain science or how to talk about pain science or the biopsychosocial model, they probably mm. weren't listening enough because I got it. Like we went over all of that and I hear a lot of a lot of people talking about how they go through school and they they either get only biopsychosocial stuff or only manual therapy and other outdated modalities or whatever that means. Um, but like it, I feel like I learned an eclectic approach. Um, and all of our professors always, always challenged us to challenge them and to not be like a sheep. Like one of my favorite professors, Dr. Bono, he was like, he showed us he showed us this video of like people being sheep. It was like a social experiment where like there's this doctor's office waiting room and all of a sudden this beep starts going off every three minutes and one person starts standing every time it goes off. And then people keep it starts out with like one and another person, like two people in the room. One starts standing. The other starts standing after like five rounds of that. And then more people start coming and all of a sudden there's like 15 people in this waiting room standing every three minutes when this beep goes off for no reason other than everyone else is. Nobody questioned why everyone else was standing. So like he, he would talk about that all the time. It's like, don't be a sheep. Don't just follow what everyone else is saying. Like think for yourself, ask why all the time. And don't be afraid to ask your professors why. Like they want to be challenged, and I thought Saint I thought Saint Augustine did a fantastic job of like cultivating that. Um, so I guess I guess I learned. I guess my biggest takeaway was like always shoot for an eclectic approach. Like I don't like I appreciate manual therapy. I like it. I think it's indicated a lot, but I think it's like anything else where you have to take in all the other factors. Like I'm not just going to sit there and do a posterior glide of the shoulder for 20 minutes and just say, all right, let's go do overhead stuff now. Just because we needed to improve your mobility. It's, it's all, it's like all encompassing, you know? Um, and it's, it totally fits into the biopsychosocial model. I think, I think where the arguments on the internet nowadays, like start is because people sway too far to one side or too far to the other side, where it's like a tissueist versus a biopsychosocialist and like people and I think it's also because sometimes it gets lost in translation 
with how people present it on the internet where it's like, oh, it's, it's one or the other. Like there's no middle ground. The two can't totally complement each other. And like, you're just, you're just a tissue nihilist. Like nothing matters. It doesn't matter if Jake has a problem with his shoulder or just rate ridiculous symptoms down into all of his fingers. He should just think it away. Or then, or then on the opposite side, it's like, Oh, you have osteophytes in your C6, C7 facet. And we just need to manip this like every other day for you to like decrease your symptoms. Like both of those are, are terrible. And I don't, I don't think many people do that, like, that far each way. But it's just all about how you present it to the patient. And I think, I think my school did a great job of teaching us how to do that. So I'm a parasite. <laughs> Call me what you want. I'm a rocket. Well, I mean, so as my, as my Canadian friends, Alan Besselink and Steve Lessons, Levins would say, sorry. Hey. They don't say A that much, but they definitely say sorry. Um, so uh, I think based on, based on what you're saying, uh, we should kind of be like the Jedi order of uh, physical therapists, right? Yes. And just to quote Wikipedia, <laughs> just so you know that I'm doing some evidence-based research here, Will. Um, <clears throat> the galaxies, and this is from uh, probably halfway down the page, of the Jedi Order on Wikipedia. The galaxy's best philosophers, priests, scientists, and warriors were brought to Tython circa 36,453 BBY by mysterious pyramidal ships called Thoyor to discuss their discoveries involving the enigmatic and mystical energy known as the Force. These people known as the Tithons eventually came to identify as the Jedi Order a group of force sensitives determined to keep an internal balance between the light side or Ashla and the dark side called Bogan. Bogan. I, I love <laughs> every word you just said. <laughs> that was fantastic. Um, yeah. So you just have to find that middle ground. You have to be mobility sensitive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was it was either Oshla or Tobogan. Bogan. Bogan. Bogan just sounds kind of like a like a really like jerky kind of stuck up like frat bro. Bogan. Yeah, that still wears his uh, varsity jacket <laughs> from high school yeah. when he's like twenty seven. From high he's school, still in yeah. college. Oh. <laughs> Just taking a victory lap, bro. <laughs> calc, calc one was the, the hardest six semesters of his life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> well, it sounds like you had a really amazing experience. And I love that we all just created uh, or just made this uh, a likening to Star Wars to physical therapists and being force sensitive. So that's pretty awesome. Um, I yeah, <laughs> and just FYI, BBY for those of you know those of you who are listening, um, it's 
It's not the little ball soccer ball cute robot in the new Star Wars trilogy. It's actually it stands for Before the Battle of Yavin. Oh. Um, huh. In the pre-Republic era, so I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> that just changed the course of time. The Battle of Yavin. And uh, here's a picture. I'm gonna send this to you guys. Maybe we'll like put this in our Instagram. Here is a car or a comic book picture of the pyramidal ships um, called Tho Yor uh, that started the um, the Jedi Order. I'm just gonna go ahead and send that over to you guys. Um, yeah. Perfect. Thank you, Wikipedia. Perfect. I have to uh, make sure we put that in the, <laughs> the source notes. Or the show notes. What is that? <laughs> is it not self-explanatory? <laughs> it's... I was hoping that it would be it would be something like looking like an uh, an A STEM tool. <laughs> so we could make a we could make a modalities joke. Oh man, dude, those things are <laughs> those tools are shaped in the most like sometimes inappropriate shapes. Yeah. They get a little phallic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, who doesn't want to, like, rub that vigorously? <laughs> vigorously against your soft, lubricated skin. <laughs> more, the more vigorous, the more change. So. Should you, should you go for bruising? Does bruising mean less adhesions? Yes. Only if you follow it with, uh, with like, e-stem and heat. At, at the same time or, like, sequentially? At the same time. Okay. For billing purposes. <laughs> so you can, you can bill for 15-minute treatment and you can bill for 30 minutes of treatment? Yeah. <laughs> Right, because 15 uh, minutes of e and 15 minutes of uh, of heat. That makes sense. There's places out there that still do that. It's crushing the modality game. <laughs> you know, I mean, if it makes you feel good, right? Placebo effect. Let's let's not forget about how important that is. You know, placebo effect is okay to some degree but it all goes back to how you frame it like okay so one of my buddies he owns um a clinic in new orleans and he does dry needling and i was talking to him one day um because he was referring me for an outpatient job in denver and apparently most places in denver don't want to hire you in outpatient unless you're dry needling certified, huh. FYI. Most places you can't get dry needling certified unless you've been practicing for two years. So I was like, well, <laughs> I'm not going to Denver anytime soon. Uh, but he was like, you know, especially if you're treating like a, an active population, like dry needling so popular nowadays in certain circles like crossfit and he treats a lot of crossfitters it's like yeah if you want to come in just for dry needling 
I will dry needle you. But that could be the perfect gateway to me talking to you about how it's only a short-term change. And if you've been having this recurring shoulder pain for years now, that there's probably something else that needs to be looked at and just dry needling it isn't going to change anything. Voila, eval. Like, to some degree, yeah, I mean, that's okay, but it's how you framed it. Like, it's that's just one of the many things that needs to go on in that biopsychosocial realm for that patient mm -hmm. to get buy-in. Mm -hmm. But I don't think anybody can justify ultrasound, so... <laughs> but 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 three degrees Celsius tissue change. Yeah. What about a walk around the block? Does that do the same thing? <laughs> um, I don't know. Making a car sauna on your way to the gym. <laughs> Does that do this? Do you get you get more systemic effects than just localized ultrasound? Exactly. Dude, the thing just do the that. thing I absolutely hated the most. So like I enjoyed my NFL internship last like last season with the Redskins, but the one modality that I do not miss is laser. Oh gosh, did they love it? Certain players absolutely loved it, and like unless you laser me, I am not going on this field right like now. Like I'm talking like yeah like 18 minutes of laser. That is almost as bad as the 37-minute DMS session that I did on one player before practice. And then, like, a 32-one uh, before the game. Remind me what DMS is. You know is? what Theraguns are? Yeah. DMS is, like, the uh, more streamlined, like, metal and, like, wired plug version of that. So it gets a little oh, bit so it's more like powerful, better. in theory, potentially. Um, I don't know if there's any anecdotally, <laughs> anecdotally. Um, but dude, I, for like probably about 30 minutes after I did that, my hand vibrated so much. Like I yeah. had, I felt like I was getting like vibration syndrome. Like I was akin to a construction worker. Tunnel? Yeah. It's been like jackhammering for like 40 years straight. That's terrible. Like I couldn't, I couldn't feel I would have. I would have felt like like my hand was moving so fast because I was the flash <laughs> and it was actually vibrating that quickly and I would have tried to hmm. stick my hand through a wall and bring it back. What if you had the powers of the flash but you could only have it on two body parts on contralateral oh, sides gosh. of your body? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um I don't know if I would want that. Like your right hand and your left foot. What would you do with that? You could be really good at running in a circle <laughs> to your right. <laughs> and like basically like make, make like a tornado. Really you can make like a tornado and like, you know, destroy small parts of the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. Or, and then with the right hand... You could break up so much fascia. Oh man! You would. I feel like you would just like literally like melt someone's skin before you even got to like 
the fascial layers, like the friction, unless you cocoa buttered the crap out of somebody, the friction from your skin on, I feel like it would just be like sandpaper. Yeah, probably. Your skin would come off too. But you could create like a time ripple by just like spinning your hand in a circle. Yeah. And like potentially open a portal to another dimension. And then like go back and live the life of the dude who is now yeah. the new Han Solo. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then be the co-star of Amelia Clark. There's your end. <laughs> dude, everything has come full circle. Just like if you ran in a yeah. circle because only your left foot was super fast. <laughs> Yeah, if if that's what's on the table, I would I would be cool with contralateral <laughs> flash powers. The only other powers that I like think about seldomly often, um, this one was from uh, the Fairly Odd Parents, where someone okay. ends up getting meat vision. <laughs> I remember so like that. they can just like randomly like that was so bacon dumb. like bacon and sausages just appear. <laughs> Uh, I would like that superpower. That or the telepathic control of dairy products. Hmm. That's very specific. Just like, like, just control, like, summon waves of Fairlife chocolate milk. Hmm. I like Promised Land. Have you heard of Promised Land chocolate? Milk? I have not. Is that is that like a, a glass no. bottle? No, it's plastic. Um, I think I think their farm is in Pennsylvania. It's like the chocolate milk. It's like one of the three chocolate milks sold at like Whole Foods. Hmm. But it's fantastic. Um. If I had a superpower, it would definitely be to fly. Like like oh. wings or like like Goku. I would rather fly like Goku. Okay. Wings would get in the way of outfits. Now would you be able to fly in space? Like are you gonna create some sort of energy field to uh, prevent your loss of oxygen? And lung implosion, or um, if I could fly, I wouldn't really care about flying in space. But yeah, that would be cool if if we got to the point where we were going to other planets, like <laughs> in a uh, Tython. Uh, Thoyor is it? Is it not? Tho oh no, it's the planet yes. Tython. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's a Thoyor. God forbid you mess up these very specific <laughs> Star Wars like canon historical things because, as you said, you don't want yes. Nick Hanna knocking on your door and uh, and yeah. teaching you the meaning of pain science. <laughs> yes, I do not. Because as the Instagram says, Hannah does move quite well. Yeah, but the the Instagram haters say that he doesn't lift. I think he does. 
does this go back to the age-old internet question that like if you don't film it did it actually not did it happen i think so yeah i think i think people have posed the question because nobody or he doesn't post lifting videos so some some people were like you can lift well <laughs> i think he i think he does do you even stability do you even stability oh, wad stability <laughs> wad i'm gonna start hashtagging that that could be like that could have like biopsychosocial implications like is your life stable <laughs> do the stability wad Here's the here's pages numbers uh, 13 through 17 of Greg Lehman's pain workbook um, that we've photocopied and like whited out his name and just wrote stability wad over. <laughs> <laughs> that could totally work. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, There's, there's just so many. I feel like, is it just a thing in like the CrossFit community to just put wad behind words? Yes. <laughs> like tape wad. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, you could put wad behind anything and it'll sell. Wait, what is tape wad? <laughs> I just made that up. Are you like is it is it like a wad of tape? Like, are you spelling it W A D or are you spelling it W O D? I think um, I think tape wad <laughs> would be like a CrossFit trainer's um, intro class to like rock tape. Mm. Tape wad. Tape wad. <laughs> what are your thoughts on 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 tapes? Yeah. On tape. I've never really used it um, or been super exposed to it. Like we went over it one day in class and I was basically just infatuated with watching my classmates who were athletic trainers just freaking tape an ankle in like 15 seconds. <laughs> that was way more cooler than anything else that was going on. So Mike I can really tape an ankle in a minute 30. Really? More or less. What was your best time, Mike? Uh, it was close to that, maybe a little bit shorter. It was, I think it was closer to a minute. I know you yeah. beat uh, the AT, the AT's out at SU. Yeah, I th well, the, one, of the, um, one of them had the best time. She was working with football at the time. She, she crushed it. She did it in like yeah. 35 seconds or something like that. And it was like immaculate. I don't know how she did that. Yeah, I think I think tape can be good in a in a particular time and place. So like, I have a friend who is um, a pelvic pelvic floor specialist in Baton Rouge. Her name's Amber Anderson. Um, she's like the only board certified specialist in Louisiana, and. Like I went and shadowed her for a day before I came up for my travel job. And like there's a lot of internet arguments nowadays that if you were to put that in a pelvic floor specialist circle, they would just like kick you out. Because if you have 
if you have a woman who is pregnant, in in pain, ready to have this baby, can't have comfortable anything, conjugal visits, like can't go to the bathroom well, like can't work out well, like their whole life feels like it's turned upside down, biopsychosocial city, and you can say that this tape that we're going to put on you might help and it does like do it mm-hmm. like there's so many there's so many things that like a pelvic floor exam I, I, I only observed I didn't uh, yeah. I haven't done one you didn't palpate no but like a pelvic floor exam is very um like, where is the restriction or where does this hurt? It's like palpation for tenderness. Like, that's the majority of what a pelvic floor exam is. But she gets women better in like three to five visits. Like, how can you argue for the efficacy of that whenever they like came in crying and hopeless and like they weren't going to be able to take care of their baby, feeling like a failure, and you palpate, you find something that hurts. And you like re like introduce gentle movements and then they get better. I mean some of some of it is not like some of that doesn't have a randomized control mm-hmm. trial for it. So in situations like that where there is no RCT, no evidence base, what do you what is your thing? Do you just just go with it. Just try it. I would say if there's minimal risk, mm-hmm. yeah, why not? Like, okay, so another thing, another tip of the hat to St. Augustine. It's like one of our professors, uh, Dr. Bourgeois, he taught one of the manual therapy courses, <clears throat> and he was like, you need to keep in mind that you are a scientist. Like, you're a doctorate level like professional most of you have gone to undergrad and gone through some kind of human movement science or kinesiology where you're a movement scientist like what does a scientist do they take a hypothesis they test it if it works good if it doesn't go back to the drawing board like us as physical therapists have the ability to do that every single day mm-hmm. in the clinic. Like, and that's okay. It's okay to be a scientist. Like, and it's okay to be honest with people. Like this may work, this might not work, but if it doesn't work, we're going to try something else. Like he, he just encouraged us to test and retest everything. And if, I mean, if, and if it doesn't have a randomized controlled trial attached to it like i don't think we should just just back off of it you know yeah because if there's minimal risk associated with it why not test it like it's like if you're a scientist in the lab if you put these two chemicals together and there's a low probability of it blowing up You might as well do it to test it if it doesn't blow up. For science. Yeah. 
So that's my, that's how I look at that. But like, uh, obviously, all of that is through the scope of evidence-based practice, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, totally. Not practice-based evidence? <laughs> no. It, you, can't, you can't read that from right to left. Um, you can't, like, Descartes your way out of that? Mm-mm. It's not going to happen. What if I hypotenuse it? <laughs> that sounds an awful lot like math. math. Um, yeah. I'm a physical therapist because <laughs> I don't like math. I don't know how to units. How to units? Yeah. It, are we using oh gosh, the rule of eights? we had our modalities. I hate the rule of eights. That's why I'm going to have my own cash-based clinic. What are you, you going to call it? I don't know yet. Clinic? It'll, that'll be a surprise. What were you <laughs> going to say? I might actually use it. You should call it Bagon. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the dark side of the forest? Yes. <laughs> Big and wad. I could dig it. It it also sounds like <laughs> Big and wad. It also sounds like one of Amelia Clark's dragon children. Dude, maybe it would catch her eye. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna need to do something. God forbid she catches the scent of a lesser stag. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> There's so many different things that I want to say right now, but going off of how this is like a family-oriented <laughs> show, I'm not. <laughs> Next question, please. Um, uh, we so just just curious because we're we're probably gonna like get to our like last big question that we always ask here pretty shortly, but. Um, is this what you expected when we asked you to come on the podcast? I think so. Good. I've I've listened to y'all's uh, to a bunch of y'all's prior podcasts and um definitely seemed like you kind of y'all are obviously nerds <laughs> because I, I I am a huge nerd and I can spot a nerd from a mile away, so. It's like you play off your own nerdiness as well as the potential nerdy nerdiness of your of your guest. So yeah, I was I was totally prepared to nerd no, out. No, that's why that's why I post lifting videos. Yeah. <laughs> to like to offset the nerdiness. Like I'm a huge nerd, but I can lift a lot. Yeah. Uh, I love Star Wars, but I can also deadlift over 500 pounds. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it, you know, it kind of like expands your social horizons. Um, it lets you, much like you, seek to be a bridging bridging the gap between rehab and fitness. Uh, I like to bridge the gap between jocks and nerds. Mm -hmm. That's perfect. Is that in your bio? Uh, no, no, it's not. No. Um, but that's what I told myself in high school to not feel as uh, alienated from the popular kids. 
Did it work? I mean, I, my friends and I really like to play video games, so it was cool. Uh, I played a lot of football, yeah. too. Also, sports. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of that's like always been me. Mm-hmm. Lift weights, play video games, talk about Star Wars and Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings. Nerd out about third eye blind and big delicious scones mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> you big scones. I do. Lemon blueberry, to be precise. Oh my gosh. So at that gym that I started the grassroots CrossFit thing with, me and my friends who started doing CrossFit together would go back and work in the gym uh, for the summer, which would basically just be corralling (laughs) seven-year-olds who their parents would drop off like for free babysitting every day. Um, And they had a pro shop or a, a kitchen and they always had scones and a running joke would be like, all right, taking a scone break. See you in five. And you just go get a scone, come back up to the gym, crush a scone. Love scones. If you want to mail me some, I would be, I would be. Yeah, Make sure that. you send you see your address on this like public podcast. <laughs> Well, I'll also make sure to send you some ASTEM devices uh, in the box. Um, Pre-cocoa buttered as well so that you can vigorously rub your skin with them. You don't have to waste any time. Um, All right, Mike, go ahead and do your thing, man. All right, so there's a there's a question that we ask all of our guests on our show uh, as our final question here. So, so Will, we here at the Movement Docs, we believe in always moving forward in all that you do. So, based on all your previous experience and knowledge, life, and love, and the pursuit of happiness, what is one piece of advice that you'd give to anyone listening to this show to help them be the best versions of themselves? Oh man, that's a loaded question. Um, I would say today, based off of certain life circumstances, that um, with with anyone that, and this is totally unphysical therapy related, but yeah. we'll, we'll just go with it. Um, with anyone that you love or care about, if if there's ever anything that like goes unsaid that you could potentially regret um, correcting or saying in that moment, mm-hmm. just say it. Like, don't wait for it. Don't um, don't wait to ask for forgiveness or give forgiveness, um, because one day that person might not be around and Mm -hmm. then you're going to just regret Mm it. So solid. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really powerful advice hitting us right in the feels there. (laughs) Uh, It makes me want to like drive to Mike's house and hug him really fast. (laughs) How far away from him are you? I don't know. It's raining, so it'll be farther. Uh, what, like Probably 10, 10 minutes, minutes maybe? Yeah, it's not too bad. It's like a 10-minute mm-hmm. drive. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're sending, we're sending digital hugs. 
Yeah. Do like a little hand hug. Dude, I love hand hugs. They're great for awkward but people. But do you know about the like the hand dap hug? Right? You know how you like bro hug and you like dap it into a hug? If you if you set yeah. up your hand hug so that you use your thumbs as like the the initial like bro high five to hug, you can like use yeah. your thumbs and like do that motion with your hands and then use your thumb to pat that person on the back of their hand. Oh, it's like a whole it, new dude, world. It's, it's a game changer. It's a game. Yeah. I, uh, one of the um, the aides that works in my clinic, her and I have that as like a handshake. So like we'll both put our right hands up. We'll like thumb into the hand hug and then we'll like tap three times on the back of the hand with the thumb. So it's like a, it's like a very like bro like embrace of like our hands. It's beautiful. Fantastic. I wish I had a coworker that was that cool to do that with. Not that everyone gets to work with me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a home health cowboy. Out in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina. The lumber town. Oh yeah. sorry, Lumberton. Not to be confused with Lumbertown. <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. Well, yeah. We can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on our show today. If anyone's uh, listening to the show that wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way that they can do that? I am probably most uh, active on Instagram. Okay. So you can find me at docmills.dpt. Perfect. Cool. So we'll make sure we put that in the show notes for anybody that's listening or interested in contacting you. I have other things in the works, but uh, yeah, that's that's it for now. Okay. Is the is the at docmills.pt. Dot PT or DPT? Dot DPT. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, thanks again for tuning in this week where we spoke with Dr. William Mills, PTDPT. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or have a topic that you'd like us to discuss, shoot us an email at tmdmovementdocs at gmail.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for having me, guys. Guys, just – oh, thank you for coming on. Um, for all of our listeners out there, I just want to remind everybody that Han shot first. <laughs>